Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And now a word from our sponsor. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bros Pod. Uh, I'm Jamal Murphy. Uh, of course, Bill Roden is usually with me, but he's not here today. Uh, he he was extra busy this week. But we have a good show lined up for you. I had the pleasure of interviewing a big-time friend of the show, Donnell Suggs. Uh, he is currently a staff reporter at the Atlanta Business Chronicle, that's a new job he took. But prior to that, he uh, covered the Hawks and the Braves for uh, the Southern Cross in Savannah, Georgia. We talked NBA, and we talked about a team that I've been fascinated with uh, for the past couple years, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, And this year, they're actually doing big things. The Hawks are uh, currently in fifth place in the East behind the Knicks, and they have uh, Nate McMillan, Black coach who's been doing great things for for many years, uh, and he was he actually took over for them midseason. Uh, he replaced a young up and coming black coach in Lloyd Pierce. So I want that was always interesting to me uh, because many people thought that Pierce had been uh, maybe treated a little unfairly in terms of being dismissed uh, so early, and he was doing a lot of great things in the community, uh, especially after. Uh, the George Floyd murder, uh, he became, uh, Pierce became very uh, active in the community. He was active in terms of, of all of the protests that were going on. He was a, he was a big time voice in the NBA uh, in terms of how they responded to it. And also, he was also involved in the Get Out the Vote uh, campaign or the More Than a Vote campaign, which, which uh, LeBron James is uh, responsible for actually. So the Hawks have always been very interesting to me, so it was great getting a chance to catch up uh, with, De- with Donnell uh, to talk about the Hawks and, and uh, the current situation with them and, and the interesting uh, predicament that Nate McMillan uh, was in, um, having, to, having to take over after Lloyd Pierce was fired. So we'll get into all of that. We'll get into uh, their playoff prospects this year, Get into talk about a little bit of Trey Young, and uh, and all things Hawks in a second. Uh, before that, though, Bill's not here today, but he did write a very interesting article um, for the Undefeated, and which which also was accompanied by a little oral history uh, for the Undefeated, where he talks about uh, the Kentucky Derby and the song. Uh, that's that's sung at the Kentucky Derby every year, uh, called "My Old Kentucky Home," uh, which is which has been sung prior to the Kentucky Derby about a hundred you know hundred straight years. I think this was the hundred year anniversary of that. Um, I never knew this, 
you know, I, I very rarely watch the Kentucky Derby. I'm not a big horse racing fan. In fact, I can't, I can't even really tell you off the top of my head who won this year. So I apologize for that. But um, but Bill talked about the the My Old Kentucky Home song and the racist lyrics that were in the original ver- version, which reflected slavery, uh, and that the lyrics were changed slightly in 1986 by the Kentucky State Legislature in order to keep, uh, so that they could continue singing it in a quote-unquote good conscience. Um, but it was a story I'd never heard of, heard about, and I, I did not know about this prior to Bill uh, pointing this out. So here it is. Here's the oral history of this, of this event from uh, the one and only Bill Roden. As racing enthusiasts celebrate the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby, thousands of fans at Churchill Downs will sing My Old Kentucky Home. As horses emerge from the tunnel and head to the starting gate. The tradition is a century old, yet most of those who sing Stephen Foster's composition have no idea that the cherished tradition is a symbol of our nation's racist past. The song is a heartbreaking lament of a black slave being ripped away from his family and sold to a plantation in the Deep South. Intended to be sympathetic, Foster's original lyrics include lines like these. Tis summer, the darkies are gay. And then, the time has come when the darkies have to part. Then my old Kentucky home, good night. And finally, the head must bow and the back will have to bend wherever the darkie may go. My old Kentucky home became a derby tradition in May 1921, the same month that 36 African Americans were murdered by white mobs in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Seven years later, it became Kentucky's state anthem. The song has been sung year after year, even as African Americans suffered brutal repercussions in their fight for freedom and justice. In 1986, the Kentucky legislature replaced the words darkies with people, adopting a whitewash contemporary version. This year's derby is being held five miles away from the Kentucky home where Breonna Taylor was murdered in her bed by Louisville police. The institution of slavery is a permanent stain on our nation's soul, one that cannot be erased, only treated and allowed to heal. Time-worn, outdated traditions like my old Kentucky home, no matter how well-intentioned, do not facilitate healing. Like monuments and statues of Confederate generals, the Derby Anthem is another symbol of white supremacy that must be vanquished. It's time to shudder my old Kentucky home. So, wow, that's that was a... Uh amazing story that like i said i had never heard before and uh yeah i'm with bill on that it's time for the kentucky derby to retire that song and uh come up with something new okay how about that but um up next i'll be talking to donnell suggs staff reporter currently at the atlanta business chronicle previously uh covered the hawks among other sports teams in Atlanta for the Southern Cross in Savannah, Georgia. 
And uh, like I said, we'll be talking Hawks. So check this out. We're here with a special guest today, friend of the show, one of the, one of our, you know, definitely one of our best friends of the show, no question about <laughs> it. Um, he's been rocking with us for a long time. He's been on the show before. Uh, he does a great job down in Georgia, um, writing and reporting all that. Uh, he's Donnell Suggs. Uh, currently, he's a staff reporter at the Atlanta Business Chronicle, and he just started that job this week. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that. Uh, previously, he was a staff reporter at the Southern Cross Savannah, uh, Georgia. Uh, he was also a contributor at The Current and Market Watch. And most importantly, uh, he's from Park Slope, Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he All day long. Located out uh, down south to Georgia, but he's a Brooklyn kid, Brooklyn born. Um, and of course, like I said, uh, Donnell sucks. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, Miles, good to see you again, brother. Brooklyn, all day long for the rest of my life. I already got plans to be buried in Brooklyn when I, whenever I go. I hear you. I hear you. So, you, so you, like I said, you, you, started, you started a new job, uh, and it's not, it's not a sports uh, reporter job. It's a, it's, it's a business reporting job. Yes, sir. So tell, tell me about the new gig. Coming up Monday, man, I'm going to be um, a staff writer with the Atlanta Business Chronicle. Uh, very big paper, big job. No more sports for me. They got a guy named Eric Jackson that does a great job covering the business side of sports. So he's got that covered. I'm going to be covering commercial real estate and whatever else they got me covering. But it will most certainly not be sports. So now I get a chance to just watch the Hawks like everybody else and not have to be on deadline. That feels nice. Can't right. wait to go to a playoff game. Right, right. And like you said, you, you've covered the Hawks uh, in the past, you know, pretty extensively. So and th and this is, you know, the Hawks. The Hawks the, in the NBA, a team that I want to talk about for a while because they have, you know, a, a bunch of stuff going on this year. They're an interesting team. Everybody knows about Trey Young, um, mm -hmm. currently being coached by Nate, Nate McMillan, uh, one of the best coaches in the game for a long time. Uh, yes. you know, one of the one of the few black coaches that have that have been able to survive in the league and prosper. Um, and he he was actually fired last year after last season, even though. I think they were like 45 and 28 or something like that. Yeah, uh, they were good last year. Yeah, they were, they were good. They just lost in the first round of the playoffs. But, yeah, so I've been wanting to talk to you about the Atlanta Hawks for a while, and they are currently right in the mix of, of the NBA playoffs, uh, any NBA playoff picture. They're 34 mm -hmm. and 28, fifth in the East behind the Knicks, who, you know, the Knicks are getting all the publicity. And, you know, of course, they're in New York City. Nobody's yeah. talking about the Hawks. Um, and, you know, there's a lot to them. So I, let's, let's get into the, the Atlanta Hawks situation. I mean, it's hard not to talk about the Knicks. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. So right. you got to give the Knicks their props. They're playing soup. They're playing as good as any team in the NBA. Right. Actually, they are playing the best in the NBA over the last 10 games. That's true. But the Hawks are, but the Hawks are 73 in their last 10. Right. And 19-9 and nine since Nate took over full time. So they're hot, too. And that's a 4-5. and a five. Knicks up 4. Hawks are five. They got the same record, 34-28. So it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah, so let's start with uh, the beginning of the season. The Hawks started off slow. They were about, you know, they're under Lloyd Pierce, the previous coach, another black coach. In the last few years, the last couple of years, he had kind of an excuse. They were a very young team. They were. Um, didn't have much veteran talent. And then in the offseason, they they go and kind of stack up on, on these veterans uh, score types like Gallinari, Bogdanovich. Who else did they add in, in the offseason? Tony Snell, who just who just started playing a couple of weeks ago and and has been playing great. Right. I think he got he kind of got healthy. 
So that was yeah. a big signing. But but Bojan Bajanovic was a major signing. He's supposed to come in and be gangbusters. It took him a while, but now he looks like he ends up being a great signing as well. Uh, right. Rajon Rondo didn't work out. That's right. That's right. They had Rondo for for a little while. That yeah. I guess I guess they their thought probably was you know have him mentor Trey yeah. Young. That I guess that didn't work out. It didn't work out. Rondo's great in the locker room. Everybody likes him. It's just one of those moves where hey, you'd be better served being somewhere else. We don't have a ton of playing time for him, and now he's doing well. He's in what well, he's the Clipper. That's good yeah. for him. That's a good look. He's been in LA before. He knows how to work that out. Everybody wins. We good. Yeah, so when when they made those moves in the offseason, it kind of the 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 first thing I really thought was, okay, this is kind of putting pressure on Lloyd Pierce because now they're giving him these these veterans uh who have proven scorers in the league, um kind of filling in the roster. Um he really now he's going to really have to show and prove. Okay, and if he doesn't He's going to be in trouble. And when and to me, when you mix those veterans in with a guy like Trey Young, who kind of had the full reins, you know, in his first in his first couple of years, like he could do whatever he wanted to do. Um, and I was always curious whether, you know, how he would mesh with veterans and that kind of thing. So tell me about that. You know, did you have that same feeling? What was your feeling coming into the season? And especially pertaining to Lloyd Pierce. A lot of us that cover the team kind of go back and forth on Twitter. Or we, you know, DM each other. The biggest off-season signing was Nate McMillan. We knew this team going and getting someone who's coached as a head coach for 18 years and played in the league for another, what, 12, 13? We knew that he wasn't joining the Hawks to kind of help with help as a shooting coach or with minutes restrictions. That was our head coach in waiting. Right. So, Nate, so, so unfortunately, we knew that ball was going to drop if the team started off slow. And, and it did. That was a team decision in terms of uh, bringing in Nate McMillan. That that wasn't Pierce. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't Pearson. He knows Pierce. Like you know that coaching fraternity. We all know each other. I don't know if they ever worked together, but they know each other. But I know at that press conference, Lloyd Pierce was saying that all the right things, like great addition to the team, great mind, coaching experience. Dot dot dot. But there's no way that man in his third season as a head coach knew Nate McMillan was joining that club to just be a sideline guy and. And Nate McMillan didn't cut his throat or anything like that. It was just a, it was an ownership decision. The team was kind of sliding, but had the talent, and we need someone to kind of hold it together. And there's a literally a guy that's been in the NBA for 30 years right there. Right. Writing was on the wall. Writing was on the wall when you signed him in the offseason. Writing was totally on the wall when there was like a short losing streak and the team started to slide. And I believe it was a good decision. I didn't like how it was done. I didn't like that. The man literally just went, and went to go see it and went with his wife to have their child and whatever. And while he was gone, unfortunately, the Hawks won those two games. And then it was kind of done. You didn't even get a chance to come back. Wow. So I didn't like the way it was done. And you can argue it all day, but I did not like the way it was done. It was a Hawks type of move. We've got that reputation of being real sloppy that way. But the new ownership is a little bit better about that until that happened. But it was the right move, though. I hated that it was done the way it was done, but it was clearly the right move. 19 and 9. Fifth in the East. Obviously, we haven't been fifth in the East in like four years, three years. So it worked. Yeah, and, and you know, McMillan is, is was clearly the more the more proven coach. And, no and really, and there, there was really no business that he was on, he was an assistant coach. He had no, no business no. being an assistant coach in this league. Everywhere he's been, he's proven uh yes. that he could win at a pretty, especially in the regular season, a pretty high level. So oh, yes, yeah. he won a ton of games. Yeah. So 
but as far as Lloyd Pierce, I mean, it's, you know, we're coming, it was, you're coming off the COVID season. You're coming right. off all the, you know, the George Floyd uh, murder um, right. reaction to that, all of the player activism. And even, and he was one of the coaches that was extremely active, in, you know, in terms of activism and speaking out and, and right. trying to bring players and coaches and coaches together in the NBA to try to do something positive after the George Floyd situation. What was your take on what he was doing outside, you know, off the court? Coach Pierce was beloved in the locker room. A little tough on the young guys. Beloved in the locker room, really beloved outside. He was out front from day one on that. He wasn't somebody that got kind of got into it because it was a hot topic. He was out front on that. And all his post game, he would mention stuff like that. Even when it wasn't even brought to his attention, he would start off with something like that. So he was definitely somebody, I mean, going back to Beyond the Taylor, he was somebody that was out front. He was not doing the thing where he kind of kept quiet because he didn't want to upset anyone. And I think ownership loved that about him. He was a community yeah. guy. Right. He's going to have a job. He'll be coaching in the NBA. Head coach, I'm not sure about. He'll be coaching the NBA in six months. As right. soon as the season is over with, he's going to get on a, on, on a roster with somebody. So we're not worried about that part. Um Unfortunately, his outside work was great, and Atlanta was embracing the heck out of it. And so was the um the franchise. But the losing didn't didn't buff that. That first year, the team was super young. They were supposed to lose. Get Trey Young, still super young. They're supposed to lose. I right, the COVID, so that's the COVID, and that, now the COVID season's kind of rough. I get it. Boom, we lost again. He had to come out game busters this year. They had to be um they had they would have been thirty and zero to save his to save his job. You know, really. So, so you, you felt like there was no way. He wasn't getting out of this and getting a new deal. He wasn't. Someone that's close to the team, that's familiar with the team, that's covered the team, I'm telling you, the Hawks could have made the playoffs. It wouldn't have mattered. Because the excuse would have been, yeah, we made the playoffs, but we really got to stop moving in another direction and, and capitalize on that. If they didn't make the playoffs, hey, we didn't make the playoffs again. It wouldn't have mattered. The fact that they were bad in the middle j just almost really made it easy for them. And we have someone. We don't have to look for a coach. He's right there. Right. Writing on the wall. Not Nate McMillan's doing, though, at all. I want to be clear about that. He was not sneaking behind his back and doing that sort of stuff. He doesn't move like that. Ownership just realized we got a guy already, and the guys respond to Nate. The few times that he coached while coach was away, it worked out. Right. So no brainer, really. Yeah, and the, and the rumor was after, the, after Pierce was fired that McMillan actually asked uh, Pierce for his, for his you know, blessing in terms of taking over. I can tell you, I know at least two people that kind of reported on that, that was around that, that said, yeah, he really was, he was not happy. He knows, right. he knows how to coach, so he wants a job, but he wasn't somebody that was like, oh, great. He went to that man and spoke to that man one-on-one. -on -one. That's the kind of guy Nate McMillan has always been. That's his reputation, though. Stalin. Right. That's his reputation. North Carolina guy, real solid. He's going to come to your face and talk to you, not going to talk behind your back. Right. Another another rumor was that it was the players. There was a couple of players who who basically expressed um, that they had issues with Pierce and they wanted to move in a direct another direction. Is that true? That was kind of sort of confirmed by the athletic. I forget the kid that covers the team, but he's pretty um he's pretty well connected. And that was sort of kind of confirmed, but no no player ever came out and said, "Yeah, I did that." Right, right. But right. it was kind of it was kind of one of those things that if you're in the locker room, you kind of know not which players. Right. Trey was kind of considered one of those guys, though. But either or, no one dead set has confirmed, hey, man, I'm the one. I said it, me and him. So it's kind of confirmed, but not confirmed. 
But it, like I said, the losing is enough confirmation as it is. The right. team wasn't playing well. And, and ownership can do that. They, they employ you and they can fire you. And they fired him. Right. He gets so, paid. Yeah. He gets paid for the rest of the year. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, you right. know, and like you said, he, he's gonna he'll get another chance at least as an assistant. ASAP. ASAP. He can be a, he can be a college head coach right now if he really wanted to. If he right. felt like dealing with that. Right. He can do that right now. I'd love to have him coach Georgia Tech. No disrespect to uh Josh Passion. I'm just saying. Lloyd <laughs> Pierce would be a great recruiter in Atlanta. Oh, I would be he would be phenomenal. Sorry, I mean it's not no mess on the podcast. <laughs> no, I you what though? It's all good. I mean, Georgia Tech coming off a good year, though. You know why you decent, know, you decent, decent. <laughs> we should be better. But okay. anyway, okay. <laughs> we should be a lot better. I got you. Um, so yeah, so let's talk what the Hawks are now. As I said, um, thirty-four twenty-eight. They're twenty and eight under Nate McMillan. Yes. So obviously, that, that's a huge improvement. That's they're it. Fifth, they're fifth in the East behind yes. the Knicks. Um, what do you, you know, what do you see as, I guess, a ceiling for them right now? They're not going to catch Milwaukee. Milwaukee's not going to lose. They're, they're three games behind, five, three and a half, four games behind Milwaukee. They're not going to catch Milwaukee. So forget about that. Just try to get the Knicks and be the fourth seed and have home court advantage against the Knicks. Don't let Boston catch you, who's playing terribly. So the Hawks are in a great position. I mean, to, to be where they were at the last two seasons, and to now be in a guaranteed playoff spot, I mean, mathematically, they have to lose all right. 11 games. Right. And and even then, that would mean that Miami and Charlotte, all these teams would have to win. So they're in a playoff spot. That's the win. That is the win. That's a, that's a win for this city. This city is a crazy about football. The Braves have, a lo- have it locked all summer. To have a Hawks playoff game, even if it's just one round, is a win for the franchise. They're back. It's decent again. Ceiling for this year, you've already reached it. You made the playoffs, get Trey Young back healthy, have a great first-round series. You know what? Make it to the second round. Right. That's fantastic. That's phenomenal. They get, that's, that's the ceiling for this year. Right. I'm a, I'm a realist. I'm from Brooklyn. I got to be real with you on up front. All that old, you never know. No, right. this is it. This is it. This is, right. this is it. We, we had a bunch of veterans. One's gone. Three are still here. Bogey's playing great. Snell's back. Okay, um, Gallinari gives you one night. Gallinari will hit eight straight threes. The next night, Gallinari will go eight over eight. Right. So the fact that he's healthy is great. Right. This team is in good shape. This is a playoff team. That's the ceiling. Now, I agree with you. Yeah, that that second round to me, I agree wholeheartedly. Like that's the be, mind blown. That's, that's a possibility. But you know, after that, like you said, those it's the top. Those top the the East is separated. There's a huge line yeah. after that third place team in the east so yeah. you got the nets philly milwaukee, milwaukee after that, right. it's a whole different level you know? it's a whole different level don't worry about trying to beat milwaukee in the second round that's ridiculous just right. just getting the first round was already cool and if you happen to win that series or make it competitive that's a up for this team that's a that's the stock is going up right so let me ask, let me ask you about trey young i mean he's the mm-hmm. face of the franchise yes uh now his his situation is is so interesting. It's, it's kind of a, it's it's deep to me because it's like we all everybody talks about you know he was you know the trade the tra- the draft night trade that where where basically you know Luca he's basically traded for Luca right so I have a, I still I have a very unpopular opinion on that and people down here hate me for that but I what, do what is it what is it 
Luka Doncic is going to go down as one of the top 50 players of all time. Not now. I mean, when he's done, you'll be putting him in the same conversation with KG, Kobe, and those guys. And Trey might be in that. But this kid is good now. Dallas is a playoff team now. We just got to this point. We didn't win the trade. Oh, yes, we did. We got Cam Reddish and Trey. Trey is awesome. Luka Doncic is a transformative player. As soon as he got there, Dallas was better. The next year, they were a playoff team. And this year, they're a playoff team. That they win the trade, but everyone hates that. Oh, well, you 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 hate Trey. I don't hate Trey. Trey's awesome. Luka Doncic is going to be like one of the top twenty-five players ever played in the NBA. That's a different level. It just is. Dallas is really good now, right? Because of that kid. Because of that kid. Atlanta's really good. Or Atlanta's really good now because of Trey and and Snell and Gallinari and a new coach and Bogdanovich and, and a lot of things. Dallas is good because of um Luka Doncic. No, you're right, and and I mean that's a very it's that's a hard point to argue. Like, no, yeah, it I, don't is care, hard. I don't care who you are because we know I I, I always make the joke that that Luca to me is is a tall Trey Young. Like when you when you look at <laughs> when you look at their stats, they're basically they're basically the same except for rebounding, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's because because Luca's what six eight, you know, what I'm saying? Like, he's right. a big man, and size matters in the NBA. I mean, that's that's like people, you know, guys get drafted number one based. You know, based on size, like that's just yes. the, the game. So th- there's no, and then you know, Luca, Luca is great. Like you can't argue that. I I do remember hearing people say at the time, well, Trey Young is a better fit for Atlanta because of the flair and all that. You buy that? Uh, no, <laughs> no. If if the sack if, if the Kansas City Kings drafted Larry Bird in 1978, we was talking about how the Kings franchise has three titles. And how, and we wouldn't call them, we wouldn't make fun of them anymore. Right. But they didn't have that pick. Boston took the pick and they drafted a guy and he didn't even play that year. And that's how good Larry Bird was. He transformed the franchise. The, yeah. year, be- the year before, Boston wasn't good. They got Bird, they were good for a decade. Right. Luka Doncic makes Dallas better as soon as he steps on the court and they will continue to get better. So will the Hawks. But I'm just saying, I'm talking about the one guy. The right. one guy is, you can't. They'll, you'll never get um, Luka Doncic out of Dallas. You'll never. They won't accept any trade. Le- LeBron James couldn't get that kid out of Dallas right now. That's right. how special he is to the franchise. He changes when he's on the court. He changes the whole entire franchise. That has to matter for something. I love Trey Young. He's invited to my house for dinner. I love Trey Young. <laughs> if we if they said, "Hey, we'll we'll flip we'll flip picks again," you want Luka Doncic? I would tell everyone in the Hawks, "No disrespect, do it now." Right. We should have never did it. We should have never done the trade. But they're gonna hate me for that. Sorry. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, it's, it's impossible to argue. It, like, really. Right. Um, no, I hear you. So, okay, fine, fine. Luke is the better player. Fine. But right. you, so you have you have Trey Young. He's still, you know, still a very good. Oh, he's a superstar. Very, very, very good player. Very promising. And I feel like you know a lot of people. A lot of people after after that trade, and then especially when Luca, you could tell Luca was nice right away. You know, you could tell he was gonna be a beast right away. It was almost uh, as if there were a lot of you know the, you know how the how the how society is now how the fan culture is now. There's a lot of hater haterism, you know, out there. And I feel like I know for I just know, and, he, and even he knew Trey knew because I I talked to him about it like when they played in Brooklyn, um, mm-hmm. his rookie year. Um, there were a lot of people kind of rooting against him, like almost like you know he's trash, yeah. like like it was a total bust of a pick. Period. Um, and this is you remember the first half of half of the year, his rookie year, he was struggling, 
We're struggling um, a little bit. But this is a kid, you know, he, he led the, the NCAA in scoring and assists. Right. The first person ever to do that. You know, and you know, I'm a big college basketball guy. Yeah. You can, some guys you can just tell are transcendent. And he was that, even in college. You just knew he was going to be okay in the pros. <laughs> Seeing him have a successful uh, first season, particularly the second half of that rookie season, was great. He proved himself. Oh, yeah. But then after that, and like his talent is off off the charts. Don't get me wrong. He's a great kid. He's a great kid, too. Yeah, great kid. But I do always wonder, because of his style of play, where he just pull up from anywhere, um, he has that flashy style of play, even with his passes. I always wondered how his teammates view him. And, you know, um, is is can he be a leader of a team? Um, do his do his teammates root for him? You know what I'm saying? I, there was one play. I got to bring this up because there was one time. There was one play. I can't remember. I think it was his second year. I don't know if it was rookie year or second year. And he mm -hmm. hit it. It was like at the very end of the season. He hits a game winning shot. And nobody came to. Nobody rest. came out to hug him and everything. That was crazy. I never. I don't think I've ever seen that. So to me, I was like, "What does that mean?" And you're you're close to it. Give me your take on all that. What happened when Luca hit that three-pointer the other day to tie the game and he tiptoed on the three-point line, kind of did a one-hand push shot? And it was just – I think he won the game with that. It was yeah. like a week and a half ago. Yeah. The whole bench I, – I saw a coach. I saw somebody throwing water. It was like everyone was there. They like him. I think everyone likes Trey Young because he's a good dude. He's a really good dude. I just thought that style of play did alienate guys. It did. It did. And, and, and we're used to it now. He's a star. That said, Trey Young didn't make the All-Star team this year. And he had a great, and he's having a great season. Right. Luka Doncic will be an All Star as long as he's in the NBA for the rest of his, the rest of his career. Right, it has a lot to do with that. His game would fit if Phoenix picked him one overall. He would be the, he would still would have been Rookie of the Year. Dallas picked him instead. If he went to Cleveland, and they were terrible, Cleveland would be much better. I don't know if Trey Young is playing on Cleveland. Cleveland's much better. Right, and that's what I mean. I love both those players. I want them both on the same team. But in reality is, you take Luka Doncic and put him in Sacramento, that's a playoff team. That's a, that's a dangerous team. Right. I don't know if Trey Young's style works everywhere. It's good that he had carte blanche when he first came into the league. He kind of got him comfortable. And that works for us because we need that. I say us because as a Hawks Hawks fan, I'm a fan now. I don't have to cover the team. Right. They, they, need, they need the scoring badly. Right. And it worked. He doesn't have to do as much of it anymore. If you notice, we don't get a ton of those long – have court threes anymore. Why? We have shooters. You don't need it. Luca's game hasn't changed. Only this has gotten more mature, which is scary. Which is very scary. I don't know if Trey Young's games works in all 30 teams in the NBA. I know every team in the NBA will take Luca Doncic tomorrow. Has, over almost anybody. Has Trey's game changed since McMillan took over? A little bit. Um, Nate's not that kind of coach where you want to pull up the half court. You don't want to do that with like 12 seconds of the shot clock left. That happened a ton under Lloyd Pierce. And it's not coach's fault, but basically it's like, I'm son and your dad, and this is a little league team. You know your son gets all the shot and all whatnot? <laughs> Trey was that. I'm new I'm a new to coaching, you're new to the NBA. Go ahead, man, do your thing, because we both trying to stick in the league. Right. Um, Nate McMillan doesn't need that. And if you've noticed over the last 29, 28 games, we haven't had a ton of that. We haven't had a ton of trade. No, at the buzzer, sure. But um, we've got like, a lot less of those long ones and a lot more with Trey finding guys. Right. Herder's game has developed. Herder's really developed on the, on the Nate McMillan. He's really eating off of that. 
he's the one I'm happiest about because he's got a lot more uh, confidence under Nate. I think he was doing great under Coach Pierce. Coach Pierce is a player development guy. But, man, under Nate, I feel like Kevin Herter's like, you know, I got to take that shot too. And John Collins has just been playing out of this world. He, his, his personality is such, I think he's going to have a good time playing under anybody. Right. That's why I, I thought we needed to kind of throw him the money and max him out, and I still feel that way. It fits. He fits best in Atlanta. You should max this kid out and don't end up losing a young talent like that because you're trying to um, negotiate. You think? Do you think he gets? You know, John Collins. I think he's what he's averaging like about eighteen and eight, something like that. Eighteen, eight, and only eighteen and eight because this team is good now. He was twenty and ten early on, heavy twenty and twelve. Right. But he, we needed more. Now that the team is healthy, we don't need John Collins to take fifteen shots and, and definitely no threes. Whatever, I don't care. If they go in, but he's back to doing his dirty work stuff, and it's great running the lanes and everything, and it's been great. Eighteen and eight—that's a power forward. That's what you, you need. Think, do you think they keep him? If they don't, we're going right back. We're going backwards again. We're going backwards again. We're going to do the same thing again where we let good guys go and worry about draft picks. We're not getting a lottery pick this year. That's dead. So now we're drafting in that 17 to 20 range. You can get a good college player, but we drafted in the lottery last year. With all due respect to the young fellow we drafted from USC, I mean, there's a million guys like that running around. Right. So we do that. We didn't throw the pick away. That's a good, he's a good kid, so we don't want to take like he threw him away as a bum. But the fact was, he came in injured, didn't play a ton, and now he's really starting to kind of run and get some time, and that's great. But um, we don't need any more. We hope we get this pick and that pick. We have a player. John Collins is better than anyone in college basketball. Right. He's a three-year NBA veteran. What else do you want? Actually, right. four. Excuse me. This is his fourth year. What do you want from a fourth-year player? You want 18 and eight. He comes to play every day. He plays hard. And for the most part, other than whining to the refs a little bit, John Collins is a joy to be around. What else do you want from a young player? Give him the money. We don't. What, you're not going to get a veteran. A veteran, no super veteran like star. With all due respect to the guys we signed, none of those guys were stars. They were good players. No stars signing with Atlanta. They come here to hang out. They don't come here to play every day. So we have a star. Just take your power forward and keep him. Yeah. It's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, like you said, he 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 looks like he seems like a great kid, and also oh, a kid who could be who could be a real true leader. He seems like a like yes. a natural leader. Like guy, he's a uniter. He's a uniter. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. Pull you in a huddle type guy. Give you yeah. a hug type guy. He's that guy. Right. Yeah. His mom is great too. She's really close to a lot of the guys on the team. He he belongs here. We should never let that kid walk. It would be devastating if that kid walks. Right. So give, yeah, give him the money. Let's hope so. Let's hope the Hawks do the right thing. I mean, that concern. But but back to Trey Young quickly though. Yes. Is he is can he be a leader? Can he lead this franchise? He's so good at basketball, he can be. He's, he's always going to be your most talented player. I don't think there's 20 guys as talented at dribbling a basketball and shooting it. No, there's not 25 guys right. that are as talented at shooting and dribbling a basketball as Trey Young. You and got passionate. your Kyrie, you got your Steph, and passionate. And he loves it. And he can pass that. Uh, he can pass. Oh, I mean, he's, he's special. I, unfortunately, he got drafted. The other more special guy. So they're always <laughs> going to be linked. And it's an argument to have. I don't think it is one to have. Right. But Trey Young can be our leader. He can be a leader in Atlanta. Yes. Yes. He's doing a great job of being the best player on this team. And he's on a winning team. And that's what you want. That's what you want right now. 2021, make the playoffs. One, two, improve. The team has done that. Done. All right. So, so overall, you think things are looking up in Atlanta? I mean, obviously, they're 100%. And you, and you think, can McMillan be a long-term 
guy in Atlanta as, as the head coach. He has to. And another move. John Collins, my moves. Resign John Collins. Give him the money. Stop, stop doing that thing where you're arguing about money. Give him the money. Give Nate McMillan a four or five-year deal. Okay, fine, four. I, I get it. You don't want to lock a guy in. He, he's been in the league forever. But isn't that what you want from a coach? All they do is recycle veteran coaches anyway. You're bringing guys back and forth, back and forth. Nate McMillan is a veteran. He knows how to handle the young guys and veteran teams. He's perfect. Give him a three, four-year deal and lock him up. The young guys like him. That's perfect. We got the veterans under contract already. Trey's not coming up yet for another year after this one. And John Collins is coming up this year. Lock everybody up. Keep the good team. Don't be the Hawks. Don't do an Atlanta Hawks thing and mess it up. Do a, a, a Golden State Warrior thing and sign the guys you have and grow with that. Right. That's what they did. Let's do that. Right. This could be yeah, this could be a really great situation yeah. for McMillan because I don't think he's ever – I mean, the Hawks have a lot of young talent. Like a lot of young talent. I'm not sure he's ever had that kind of young talent before. And he, he usually he's, always, gets he's always been successful, but now to have mm. like, this young core that he can work with and really yes. mold and, and, you know, we know he's known for toughness and, and defense. If you can instill that in young guys. Yes. Man. It's a great situation. It's a wonderful basketball situation. It's the best one we've been in since they won 60 games five years ago. Don't mess this up. This is perfect. You got a guy that wants a coach. People like him. He knows what he's doing. You got young stars that are cool with staying in Atlanta. Trey Young has never played anywhere else. Now that John Collins. This is all they know. They're fine with staying here. Give them the money. That's it. That's it. There's no argument about that. And pay Kevin Herter too when his comes up. When mm-hmm. Trey come up, he'll come up. Pay him too. Not Max. He's no Max guy. He knows that too. I mean, he's not dumb. But right. give him the money. Give the kid the money. He's good. He's a solid dude. He's going to be a really good starting shooting guard once we kind of get some things out of the way right now. Yeah. Right. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on. This was this was a great insight on the Hawks. Like I said, a team and an organization. I kind of I've been that's been on my mind. I've been wanting to talk about uh, them for a while. So thank you for coming on. Give me some uh, insight on that. Giving the listeners some insight. Uh, once again, Donnell Suggs, uh, staff reporter at now at the Atlanta Business Chronicle. Like you said, a Monday morning. Yeah, he gets to be a, a Hawks, strictly a Hawks fan now uh, after previously covering them at the Southern Cross in Savannah, Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, like I said, most importantly, a Brooklyn native uh, from Park Slope, where, you know, I spent much time in Park Slope uh, growing up. So that, it's always a good thing. I came up in the 80s. It don't look like that no more. No, no. no. Oh, please, please. <laughs> please. No, nothing in Brooklyn looks like it did in the 80s. They don't. They I'm don't. in bed style right now. It's not the same, okay? Looking like Disney it's, World. It's probably a good thing for you know for most people, but you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it is. I'm 43 years old now. I'll take it. I'll take it now. Right. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't go back. No. Nah, no. Nah. Nah, I hear you. But nah, Donnell, Thanks again, man. Really appreciate. Thanks for having me, brother. You back on soon. Uh, and even on the business side, we gotta talk to you. You know, th- there's all kind of issues that come up there that that are relevant to this program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, man. All right. Thanks again, man. All right. That was great. Uh, thanks again to Donnell Suggs for talking some NBA and some Atlanta Hawks with me. I really appreciate that. Definitely uh, f- follow Donnell at, at Suggs Writer and also, uh, and also follow what he's doing over there at the Atlanta Business Chronicle.
So thanks to everybody out there uh, for listening to another edition of Bros Pod. Really appreciate it. Keep uh, supporting us. Keep following us. Follow us at Bros Pod on Twitter and at Bros Pod on Instagram. And we'll be back next week with another Bros Pod presented to you by Bet Online. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.